never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that when asked if it was possible... We said yes, using the fire flower, you can throw a fireball underwater. My name is Drew, I'll be your host for the evening, along with me as always is my brother Peter. Here. How's it going, man? How was your week? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. How about, your, how about yourself? Um, it has been the most ridiculous week in terms of busyness. <laughs> um, finally, the Midwest is starting to get snow. And it has caused my day job to, like, I've worked a ton of overtime. I got more coming because of weather on the way. And it's caused <laughs> me to have less sleep than I've wanted. <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. Not not really. Um, what's yeah, funny I'll is... A, the... <laughs> I'll have a nice overtime check at the end of this, but, you know. <laughs> what's funny is before we started recording, you were like, how's your week been? And I was like, it feels busy, but I don't really know what I, what all I did and I think it's because yesterday I spent the whole day shoveling snow which sounds ridiculous but it's one of those days where it snowed all day so I had to uh shovel the driveway twice and uh both times the snow was just ridiculously heavy <laughs> and I hated it it was like the worst thing ever and it's like I it was only a couple inches thick but the snow was so wet and heavy it was just like obnoxious so uh that was my day yesterday um but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you have anything going on that's exciting besides work? <laughs> uh, no, unfortunately not. No. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Good unfortunately stuff. no. It's literally been like, it has quite literally been work, 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 work all week, and that's um, and it's been so much so that unfortunately I haven't had a chance to watch anything uh, since we last talked. So. Oh, fun stuff. Okay. Yeah, like literally have not had a chance to watch anything <laughs> um, in terms of anything new. So, yeah, there is that. Um, <laughs> cool. I you want know. me to just jump in my watching? And what a then? great start to the show. Yeah, go ahead, man. <laughs> OK, so I haven't watched a lot either, actually. Um, there's two things I wanted to mention. One is uh, and I don't have too much to say about this first one, but. I've been watching a ton of uh, Lego Masters, actually, the uh, competition reality show. Oh, and I that's watched, uh, I watched a chunk of the original first season. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm like somewhere in the second season. And uh, for whatever reason, when the show came out, I didn't like I watched a couple episodes, but it wasn't like clicking with me. And then uh, I started watching it lately because it was one of those things where it's like, trying to find something to watch with a kid that uh 
you know, that's gonna, that I'm gonna be entertained by as well. <laughs> so I started watching it with him. And uh, it's pretty, it's been pretty great to uh, just go back and revisit the series and kind of get you into the uh, Lego making mood. So uh, that's pretty awesome, even though I'm kind of starting this series a few years too late. But sure. um, speaking of starting things a couple years too late, the other thing that I've been watching, Drew, I think you're going to be incredibly happy about because I did finally start watching uh, Ted Lasso this week. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty great. So uh, my mother-in-law is like a massive fan of the series. Like she's been she kind of like binges through it repeatedly. Like she just okay. loves it. And she's been trying to get us to watch this show for like such a long time and uh she came over for dinner um a couple nights ago actually and just put you know the first couple episodes on and we kind of watched it and i think i think the genius about this show is how much it sucks you in because you know on paper like i don't know it's not that i've been like hesitant hesitant to watch the show it's just like it hasn't been at the top of my list and it's like it's one of those things it's like i'm not super into uh i'm not super into soccer or uh as they call it football overseas and uh you know i i do kind of think the uh whole like you know american uh football coach goes to uh england and kind of like the culture shock and fish out of water stuff i'm actually a little bit more interested in that aspect of it but it just the show wasn't super high on my list but i'm pleasantly happy to say like we totally got sucked in that's all we've been watching this week um we're somewhere okay. i think we're a Welcome couple of board is what <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure i, I think we're I a couple of what's that i've been like i've been like dude get on this and like it's just i'm happy welcome aboard <laughs> <laughs> for sure i think we're somewhere in the second season right now like a couple episodes or probably like four i don't know how long the seasons are i haven't been really paying attention we've kind of just been binging it but i think that we're like probably four episodes or so into the second season but um oh, you're far okay so you've seen you've seen the amazing uh uh dart uh game yes like, with the uh with the be curious not judgmental scene i that is like one of the most amazing sequences. I uh, just, I look, just love that moment. Um, I agree with that. I think that might've been the, the episode, bef that might be like the previous episode to the one we just watched or two episodes before, like we're right kind of in that area, but I agree that sequence was awesome. I think, um, just Ted's sort of monologue in that moment is actually just kind of, he has some really good, words to live by like i i just remember watching this i'm like man this is written so well and it's kind of like he's speaking he, you know he's preaching right here like these are messages you can take your to your own life but uh, i do agree like that the way that scene was shot the uh sequence of it how the monologue matched up to the dart game like that was just so great but um yeah yeah i'm I'm loving it it's a really it's a really fun show i do see how you're drew it's like I do see what you mean when you say it's just one of those shows that uh, makes makes you feel all the right things. Like it puts you in a very positive place. And I'm loving that. In fact, the only really my only gripe with the show is I think some of the dialogue feels a little unrealistic, but it kind of just depends on which characters are on screen and who they're talking to. But that's really like my only gripe so far. So I am really enjoying it. Right. <laughs> you know, um, I absolutely love uh, Roy Kent's character, one of the best characters. 
Um, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Roy Kent, and then uh, Jamie Tart. Man, did you get to the episode where they flipped him off yet, or no? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Actually, <laughs> the whole everybody, the entire team flips him off at some point, like, and it's fantastic. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember how far in that is. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> yeah. Um. I do. I. Uh, I did get to the part. Bit, so. I did get to the part where. Uh, Jamie Tart had to leave this, the team, and uh, I thought he was going to be out of the show for good, and I was like, man, that sucks, because he was such a good character, and, like, him and Roy's rivalry was so good, so I was, like, really pleasantly surprised when he started making appearances again, because I was like, this is such a good character. Not that I, like, particularly like him, but he's one of those, he gets under your skin, like, he's such a good love-to-hate sort of character, so I think yeah. that's... That's awesome. My favorite character, oddly enough, is probably um, I think his name is uh, Danny Rojas, the uh, the Mexican uh, soccer player who joins the team. He is he has such like an infectious attitude. And like, I don't know if the actor is actually having fun, but he just looks like he's having fun every second he's on the screen. So I'm just like it was like almost immediately. I'm just like, I love this guy. <laughs> this is probably my favorite character so far. So football is life, man. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you're watching Ted Lasso. Um, I will say um, since clearly you have access to Apple, um, the show Shrinking uh, with Jason Segel and Harrison Ford. Yeah, um, it's a one season, but it was made by the guys who created Ted Lasso. Um, and uh, so Roy Kent, who who so uh, the guy who plays Roy Kent on uh, Ted Lasso, he's a writer and he was one of the creators for the show. And he created the Roy Kent character. And when they 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 just weren't finding anyone to like fit the like they couldn't they were having trouble casting it. And they eventually said, um, dude why don't you just play the character? You created it. You know it better than anybody else. And that's how, that's why he is Roy Kent on the show. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, so anyway, the guy, that actor, uh, Brad, uh, Brad Goldstein, he created the show shrinking, uh, with Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford's in it and stuff. Another just absolutely wonderfully charming, really funny show that you should watch. It's a one season and done. Um, I don't think there's going to be a more to that show. It's just that they don't ever come back to it. That's fine. One season. And it's amazing. So when you get done with Ted Lasso, just something for you to watch. So, okay, fair enough. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. And, and then watch mythic quest because you will die. You will love it. <laughs> <laughs> I really do want to watch that one for sure. So yeah, um, that one seems but, right up my alley, but awesome. But yeah. Um, other than that, is that all you watched? Yeah, that's literally all, all I watched. I feel like I kept uh, busy pretty uh, pretty well this week. So, um, cool. But yeah, fun stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Well, um, <laughs> let's move on to news because I wish I had something new to tell you, but I was literally like kind of racking my brain a little bit. Like what am I um, – what am I going to come at with and say I watched? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. but I literally – it, it was one of those weeks where there was nothing. And every time I got a moment, I'm like, all right, I got time for like a YouTube video and then I got to close my eyes. So it was like something to like just decompress my brain for like 10 minutes and then <laughs> back into the swing of things. So nice. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's talk about some news, shall we? Um, yeah, let's go for it. So earlier, uh, shortly after we turned off the microphones, um, Netflix's Daredevil show was 
uh, officially counted as MCU canon. Yes, uh, yeah. Which I really, with uh, the show Daredevil Born Again, I really was expecting them to come out and say it or unofficially say it. You know what I mean? We're like, hey, you know, there was this show here and we're going to we're going to dialogue our way through the understanding that that's what's going on um, to where they never actually say it. But the di- but if you watched the show, there'd be dialogue cues that would go. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. Um, however, um, today, the entire Defenders saga. So all of the Netflix shows have officially been added to the MCU timeline on Disney Plus. Yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> I know, and with Echo launching, and I and I know Echo started. I just haven't had a chance to watch it, but the trailer was fantastic. Um, so yeah, uh, there's not much I got to say about that because the trailer looked great. But you know, <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Related to the Netflix shows, um, one of my friends was talking online about this because uh, he was saying like, didn't. Uh, Disney say that these shows weren't canon like a couple years ago and I'm actually pretty sure that they did come out and say that but it's one of those things where unless you're paying like close attention to all of the nerdy news headlines and stuff like we do on this show I don't even think most people would have noticed that so like where my friend was like you know make up your minds is it canon or not like it feels like you're flip-flopping but at the same time it's like the only people who notice that are like the people who spend all their day on uh, comicbook.com and stuff like that, reading every article that comes out. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Um, Josh Hutcherson confirms Five Nights at Freddy's sequel is in development. Uh, <laughs> of course. That's awesome. Well, I think we all expected that when, you know, Five Nights at Freddy's was a pretty big in terms of box office dollars for that genre. Um, so, and I, and I knew it was going to have the fan following. It's got the cult following in the video game front. And I knew as long as they turned out a somewhat decent movie, people were going to show up for it. And I think they hit it on the head. You know what I mean? So, um, of course there's going to be more. I don't know. I can see them doing a minimum of three, but I have a feeling the five nights of Freddy's is going to end up being minimum. They'll do five because you got to have the fifth night. And wow. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I, like minimum, I think you're going to do three, but why wouldn't you do five movies and then say the fifth and be titled the fifth night? You know what I mean? It's just kind of right there. But um, I can also see Five Nights at Freddy's becoming one of those heavy franchises, um, like reaching the Scream 6 and 7 or the Nightmare, Before Elm, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, like 12 or whatever the case may be, or, you know... Um, like Halloween H2O, like they just keep going, you know, or the final, uh, the final Freddy or, you know what I mean? Just, yeah. They're gonna <laughs> yeah. I could definitely see it. And it definitely has that sort of like the kids who played five nights at Freddy's when it came out, a lot of those kids are like in their early twenties now and they're going to the movie theaters, uh, every weekend or whatever. And I think, uh, or they're at least at the age to do that. And it kind of, to me, I mean, if you think back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we had, uh, you know, Transformers movies coming out left and right. And uh, that was another thing. It's like the kids who grew up with Transformers have disposable income now. And so maybe you're right. Maybe we are going to have like five nights at Freddy's and it's going to be a much bigger movie franchise that than maybe anybody really expected. So that uh, that'll be pretty interesting. But I thought the first one was 
a really good film. Like when I think back on it, I still kind of have fond memories of watching the movie. Like it's not one of those like I'll never watch that again sort of things. It's one of those like, oh yeah, that was a fun movie. I should probably rewatch that. You know what I mean? So right. uh, good stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. In the realm of video games becoming movies, uh, there is a live action Mega Man film for Netflix currently being written. Um, and I'm not sure if it's live action or if it's going to be like a CGI thing. However, there's an image that uh, was associated with the article that was like literally like a live action Mega Man image. Um, the image itself looks really cool. I don't know how official that is or if it's just like some AI rendering thing that went that they decided to like try and search up for the sake of, you know, oh, yeah. the article. Uh, but if this was a real thing, just the image alone, it's a cl- it's kind of like a close up, like shoulder face kind of a thing. It looks pretty cool and I'd be down. Um, but they're saying the movie is going to explore the future of automation and man and robot becoming one as either good or being good or bad, um, which kind of is the Mega Man plot anyway. Um, but that could be kind of cool. And I think about it in the sense of, you know, we've talked about the movies that deal with AI, like Terminator and The Matrix, and most recently The Creator. Um, but when you look at The Creator and then look at the possibilities for a live action Mega Man, that could be really sweet if you think about it. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. Especially if you're going to do it live action, and then you get the, um, and then you get uh, obviously you get the social commentary, but then you also get um, proper representation of the game and stuff, and then you get the whole AI conversation, and then you get the you know action adventure aspect to it. As long as you represent well, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it could be could be pretty great. Um, the way I'm picturing this is like each episode would be a different level. Like each episode would be the different level with the different boss character. And, you know, I don't know which Mega Man characters they're going to pull out of the woodwork, you know, uh, no pun intended. They could go with yep. Woodman or they could go with Sawman or there's just so many different options. So they could really do anything they want. I have this really crazy idea and I don't think they're going to do this, but this could be just kind of a uh, pretty mind bending. Um, did you ever watch Bandersnatch, uh, Black Mirror Bandersnatch on Netflix? Oh, that's the choose kind of like a movie, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was thinking, I, I, what I if... did not get a chance to watch that, and I'm glad you reminded me because that's me going, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's an interesting thing to check out sometime when you just have like two hours to kill. It's definitely an experience, but. I, I'm just like part of me is thinking like what if Netflix made the uh, Mega Man series kind of in the spirit of a choose your own adventure bandersnatch sort of thing where when you start to watch it you get that classic like Mega Man screen where you have like I want to say it's like Mega Man there's like a picture of Mega Man in the middle and you have like around the screen you have like eight levels with all the different boss characters and you choose which level level you want to play and you go in whatever order you want and maybe you try one level and you're like oh that one was too hard I'm going to try a different one what if that's how the episodes of the series worked (laughs) so you just choose which one you want to watch and here's where the tricky part is they make it so no matter what order you watch it in the story still makes sense and that's why i don't think they would do that but part of me is like man if only they could pull it off that'd be so badass <laughs> you know what i mean 
Right. Um, <laughs> part of me, part of me is also thinking a little bit of like uh, the animated series uh, Aeon Flux that was on uh, MTV, like Liquid Television or whatever. That series, I feel like you could watch the episodes in any order and still kind of get the same experience out of them. And I think that's the only way to do what I'm saying, which is probably not what they want to do, but it's just something interesting to think about. So, yeah, no, I hear you there. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I don't know what else to add to that. I just will. <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see. So. <laughs> Uh, I said it was a crazy idea, so. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Um, Warner Brothers Games confirms the DCU canon games have started development. Um, now, if you remember when James Gunn took over, he said the uh, DCU will cover movies, television, animation, and video games. Um, so clearly they're going to do some shows. We know about that. Uh, like the Green Lantern show, for example, we got the movies coming out, Superman Legacy, you know, the Batman Brave and the Bold. Um, but then we got like the animation, like the Creature Commandos and, you know, I could see some other DC projects, but we'll see what happens there. And then they're going to do the games. Now, how do you feel about the video games being canon? Um, I'm not against it. I mean, I think. Moving forward, I think it's a really cool idea. I think um, retroactively, they're probably they would probably run into a lot of issues, but um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely not against it. Um, I'm why? All, I'm only asking because I'm only asking because you know when it comes to video games, I loved I I really like playing video games, but at the end of the day, my brain kind of jumps right back into specific couple video games where it's like those are like my go tos, right? So I don't venture out the way i used to a long time ago like where there was a point where i was like oh let me play the next one what's the next game what's the next game and lately it's been like i'll just go play halo again you know um where me being the collector me being the comic book reader well i wonder if i'm gonna feel obligated to play um the uh like oh i have to play the next suicide squad game or oh there's a new batman game coming out yeah get that in you know it's like, or do I just go on YouTube and watch the cutscenes? <laughs> you know, hey, I got the story. Um, that's why I was curious what you thought about that, just because there's going to be a good chunk of people who are not going to be playing the video games, you know? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think it's, uh, I think we're at a point where we're used to the MCU and we're used to the DC movies, and it's really easy to be completists. Um, or it has been at least um, until like a couple of years ago, like it's been pretty easy to be completists when it comes to uh, these live action cinematic universes. But um, I don't know. I think what we're seeing, especially I feel like we've been seeing this the last couple of years with the uh, uh, Disney plus Marvel shows where people, some people are skipping some of them and some people are, uh, you know, they're going on YouTube and watching reviews like, oh, I didn't watch Miss Marvel or whatever. I got to catch up on that. Maybe they're going to Wikipedia and reading spoilers just to catch up for the next movie. And I think what's happening is we're seeing these comic book movie universes become like the comic book universes themselves. Like if you think of like DC Comics, like whole slate of releases, you probably don't read all those like most people who collect might read, you know, 
I mean, I'm assuming like the average avid collector might read five to 10 DC releases, but you know, maybe more if they're hardcore, maybe less, but a lot of it is like, oh, I missed that story. I'm going to have to check Wikipedia. Oh, I don't know what's going on there. I'll just kind of try to glean off of what the uh, page is telling me in this instance. And I feel like that's where the uh, cinematic universes are headed. And uh, I'm not necessarily against that. And that's I think that's why I'm like welcoming to this idea that like we might miss a couple plot points in the video games. But like you said, you can probably catch up on YouTube or on Twitch live streams and stuff. So it's just kind of an interesting territory moving forward. But I think it's pretty similar to the uh, comic book universes themselves is kind of my takeaway of the whole thing. Sure. Sure. No, I'm with you. I just, I was just thinking about the, uh, like I said, the obligation to play them. And if not, how do I attain the information? However, there's also the argument that they understand what I just said and they won't make them so important that like, it'll be that thing where it'll just, if you play the video game, it'll enrich your experience, but it won't be required it won't be in a required addition to your personal headcanon. Um, yeah. That makes sense. Because um, there's a there's always ways to do it that way. Like, if you... Like, it's... I want to say this. You can watch Star Wars without watching the Clone Wars cartoon. But... If you're me telling all everybody I know that they had to watch Clone Wars, and they're like, I'm not watching a cartoon, and then The Mandalorian came out, and they're like, asking all these questions. Well, maybe you should have watched the Clone Wars. <laughs> You know, um, just the that's just a piece of the puzzle. You know what I mean? Is it going to be that? Is it going to become that important or what? You know, that's where I. Yeah, I think Star Wars is a good um, I think it's a good thing to look at when you're talking about this, because I think Star Wars, for the most part, does a good job of like having like you have the Clone Wars, you had Rebels, you have uh, the Disney Plus shows, you have the movies. And if you watch all those, everything does feel climactic everything does feel essential when you watch it and uh, i think that's one of the complaints i've heard about uh some of the mcu tv shows is that people will watch them and be like well you know they made it out like this was going to really impact uh the fate of the mcu and uh, some people are left with the impression that it didn't really affect that and i think star wars is probably a good template where it's like whatever you watch, it does feel like it has an impact on the story as a whole. And I think that's the balance that uh, James Gunn's really going to have to work on with this DC thing. Well, Cause get, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, you look, I was, I, the well was, I have a point, but I was going to let you finish. Oh, the, uh, my, my, my only point was the only last thing I was going to say is I just worry that some of these video games might feel too anticlimactic if, in the broad scheme of things, they're not really affecting the main story arcs enough. And that was kind of my only worry. Um, But yeah, what were you saying? Well, James Gunn had said in a very early interview when he first took over DC that he, his plan was to um, use the star Wars universe as a template for how to structure his DC vision. Um, Oh yeah. Good call movies the television to animation and so on um you know i don't have to play every star wars video game i don't have to read every star wars comic and i don't um because there's way too much in terms of the star wars comics and stuff and you you can try and keep up but it is ridiculously difficult um 
for those people who've been keeping up along, all along, good for you, man. For me, Star Wars is very, if it's on the screen, I count it. That's kind of where I'm at in my fandom at this point. It's the on the screen stuff. The um, But using Star Wars as a template because of stuff like the Clone Wars is a huge point. So, um, And I like that James Gunn uh, verbally said that, so we kind of have an idea of what he's thinking in terms of some of the uh, canonical info. So. Yeah, and I do remember talking about that, so that's actually pretty cool that you uh, brought that up. So, uh, good, good call there. Um, okay, here's an interesting one. Tom Cruise has signed a deal with Warner Brothers to develop original and franchise movies, which he'll star in. He will also have an office on the WB lot with his production company. Um, I thought this was an incredibly interesting thing with Warner Brothers with all the rumors about Warner brothers, um, potentially like bankruptcy and like all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, um, Tom Cruise signs this, uh, joint partnership with them. Um, there is a press release that dropped, um, January 9th. Uh, so we're recording today, the 10th. So this dropped yesterday. Um, Warner Brothers Motion Picture Group co-chair CEOs Michael DeLuca and Pam Abbey and Tom Cruise today announced that they will be jointly develop they will jointly develop and produce original and franchise theatrical films starring Tom Cruise in 2024 under a new strategic partnership between Cruise and Wagner and Cruise and Warner Brothers. Um, Discovery Warner Brothers Discovery Cruise and his production company will have offices on the Warner Brothers Discovery lot in Burbank. Um, and then there's a handful of quotes about how everyone's excited. We're we're thrilled to be working with Tom, an absolute legend of the film industry. Our vision from day one has been to rebuild this iconic studio to the heights of its glory days. And in fact, when we first sat down with David Zaslav to talk about joining the Warner Brothers Discovery team, he said to us, we're on a mission to bring Warner Brothers back. We have the best resources, storytelling IP, blah, blah, blah. And we need to bring Tom Cruise back to Warner Brothers. <laughs> so nice. uh, there you have it. Uh, Tom Cruise said, I have great respect and admiration for David, Pam, Mike, and the entire team at Warner Brothers Discovery and their commitment to movies, movie fans, and the theatrical experience. I look forward to making great movies together. Um, I think that's awesome <laughs> because yeah. – so here's here's what I think is cool is Tom Cruise, and we've talked about him kind of – he's got this thing where he kind of makes his own – because of all the, the the groundwork he's doing to push stunts and stuff – um, all the mission, all the Mission Impossible movies have been under the uh, Paramount banner. Does that mean Tom Cruise is going to be moving Mission Impossible to Warner Brothers? I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the next one, could that be a Warner Brothers film? I don't know. But this is Tom Cruise having legitimate studio backing. Like it's almost like he's got his own studio now. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's yeah. go make movies. So that could really elevate. And we've talked about the real world, practical effects, real stunts, all that stuff. And if Tom Cruise, like, gets himself into, like, one of those studio head positions where, like, yes, he's in the movies, but he's also getting to make decisions. They could be doing some they could be turning out some really cool things. And we don't know what they are yet. Original and franchise films. So, you know, he could be walking onto any set going, how do we make this? How do we make this better? You know, what I, mean? like, <laughs> I just don't. Sure. I'm, not, I'm not fully sure what role he plays, but there you go. Yeah, I, I think there's so much to go at here. And it's also hard 
to add because you that was pretty a a pretty all encompassing uh, report right there. But I think it's like Tom Cruise knows how to make movies or at least the very big budget sort of like practical effects sort of like action Hollywood movies that he's known for. And uh, I think it's just one of those things where like I feel like left and right I see uh especially lately, like certain movies aren't doing as well at the box office as they expected. And, uh, you know, this studio struggling or blah, blah, blah over here. And I feel like at the end of the day, Tom Cruise sells movie tickets like people's butts are in the seats for his movies, regardless of what you think of his personal life. Like he knows how to make a good movie and he gets people to come out. And so I feel like this was only maybe a matter of time. I think it's a really exciting idea that he's going to have so much creative control. And my real only surprise is that like Paramount didn't do this move first. Like I'm surprised Warner Brothers got to him first. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it does sound really promising. I guess my only uh, worry is like, how does this affect like the Mission Impossible movies, like you said, as well as uh, any Top Gun sequels that are slated to come out? Because I think especially Top Gun, I'm pretty sure that's going to stay at Paramount no matter what. Like, well, I'm pretty sure they own those rights and stuff. So I'm thinking about Top Gun. The big thing about Top Gun is that I worry that we'll never get another one. Um, And I say that because of what like the the coordination with the defense department and getting oh, to yeah. real jets. And if they're going to do a top gun and be remotely as successful as top gun Maverick, they're going to have to do it again for real. And I worry. And like, I remember seeing the original, like I remember seeing the original trailer for top gun Maverick going, this looks great. I can't wait being a top gun fan. Right. And then yeah. you found out how real it was. Before we went and saw the movie, we found we heard all the stuff about how they was all real and everything and like using the real jets and getting the pilots in the seats and going through flight school. We learned all that stuff prior to going to see the movie. And I was and my and I'm just thinking to myself, we're never going to see this again. Like this is a once in a, in a lifetime kind of a movie situation where they're never going to let us behind the jets like that again. <laughs> so, um, you know, how he fought for 30 years to get from Top Gun one to Top Gun two because of the jet thing. <laughs> you know, so yeah, that's just kind of how I looked at it. But I could be completely wrong. So yeah, it's it's really hard to say. I think you might be right, and it's probably a good way to look at it to like not expect there to be another one. Like hope for another one, but you can't expect it because you're right. It does seem like this big like stars had to align sort of thing. But at the same time, I also wonder like, you know, what was the reaction to Top Gun Maverick? Did it have a hand in like increase increasing like recruiting numbers for like the U.S. military and stuff. And I think there's probably a lot of moving parts and I wouldn't be surprised if things played out either way. You know, maybe like (laughs) maybe it's something where like the Navy is like gung ho to do another uh, Top Gun Maverick movie and we just don't know. And uh, I couldn't venture a guess which way any of that would play out. But uh, yeah, it'll it'll be really interesting to see if uh, another one of these movies finally happens, you know. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to some Star Wars news. Um, Ahsoka has been officially renewed for season two. Um, so I'm not surprised. I'm just stating that they're official because like two days ago, Rosario Dawson said, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> wow. OK. Uh, she goes, I know nothing. And then all of a sudden, there you go. 
Um, okay, so this was this was interesting. Um, I see a really cool news story about the Mandalorian, and then I see Mandalorian teaser trailer. So I watched the teaser trailer thinking I should watch that first before I read the article. The teaser trailer that you'll find is a is a season four teaser trailer. I didn't even know they were filming yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But we did know long ago, like right after season three ended, they said that the scripts were all done. So they could have been shooting this whole time and we didn't know it. We did have an actor strike. We did have a writer strike and all that stuff, but we don't like, so we don't know. Like there could just, that could have just been cutting room stuff. It also could have been a fan, like putting stuff together and fooling us because there's a lot of those trailers out there. Um, however, the news was the Mandalorian and Grogu are getting a movie directed by John Favreau, produced by Kathleen, by Favreau, Kathleen Kennedy and Dave Filoni. Uh, right now, the movie is titled Mandalorian and Grogu. I don't know if that's going to hold or if it's going to be <laughs> just the Mandalorian. Um, but as of as of all the stories, that is like breaking news in terms of that's what the movie's called. Um, quote from uh, Favreau: I have loved telling stories. Um, I have loved telling stories set in the rich world that George Lucas created. The prospect of bringing the Mandalorian as apprentice Grogu to the big screen is extremely exciting. Um, John Favreau and Filoni have ushered into Star Wars two new beloved characters, um, and this new story is perfect fit for the big screen. Added Kathleen Kennedy. Um, so, what I think is interesting is that. We talked a little bit ago about Mandalorian season four coming to the big screen and we all questioned what's that about and um, or becoming a movie. And I thought, well, is it going to be a Disney Plus movie and just a shortened season? Or is it going to be like one big like thing? Um, to me, it sounds like this is going to be extra on top of a season four. I don't know, though. Um, so we're going to have to watch this one closely and see how it plays out. So. Yeah, yeah, re- really interesting. Um, it sounds like they know what's going on, but well, uh, exactly. yeah, <laughs> they know what's going on. Um, look, I'm excited for it, and I think in the world of things going on in the theater, I think Star Wars will always fix the box office problem. Like I know Top Gun did for sure, but Star Wars is always really good for the box office because it always drives the fans out. It really does. And it stops everyone's bickering for just the briefest moment, and then they go back to complaining again. But we all get to be fans again. We all get to sit down on the big screen and see those words scroll across the screen, which is ultimately what we want anyway. You know what I mean? So this is a great thing. Um, <laughs> right. Another... I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping they they come up with a better title than that. But uh, yeah, it'll be really cool to see. Uh, this um, actually the happen. last bit of news uh, is, did you see, and this is broke the internet completely. Did you see the news about the director for the Ray film for Star Wars? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Charmaine <laughs> Abad Chinoy, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, she has, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure about this. Um, I don't I didn't know who she was, so I looked her up and she has a lot of stories made for women, meant for women, designed for women. Now, I'm not using that as a negative, 
But what bothers me is they have that clip that keeps floating around online where they're talking to her. And she's like, and she keeps saying, like, I like to make men comfortable. I enjoy making men feel uncomfortable. Yes. And then they have this whole, and then you have that line of her saying, it's about time a woman got to shape the world of Star Wars. Okay. She may be the first female director for big screen Star Wars. The problem is she's not the first female director for Star Wars. Bryce Dallas Howard's been making Mar- uh, Mandalorian for a while. Um, and uh, Deborah Choi, uh, Deborah Chow, uh, did uh, directed all of Andor. Uh, uh, no, all of Obi-Wan, not Andor, all of Obi-Wan. So it's not, this isn't new territory. Um, but the way the interviews are saying is they're kind of out of context. So we don't really know um enough the problem with those clips that the the way they're being presented is presenting them in a really negative way so i don't want to look at it negatively and say she's not the right person because they're taking out of context however as a star wars fan that clip does not show does not give me faith in her as a star wars director like what what made them think that you were the right person to tell a star wars story um, and mm-hmm. I only and I only say that because as fans, we're going to scrutinize real heavily, but don't come in thinking you're going to try and make us feel uncomfortable. Like, don't go in with that attitude because that's going to drive you out real fast, <laughs> you know, because this is a very vocal, divisive uh, group of fans <laughs> that yeah. are going to that are going to rally if they don't. So I don't want to speak negatively because I don't know. Again, the clips are taken out of context, but I need to be cautious because those clips do not inspire confidence that you know how to tell a Star Wars film. So the one that's that's, um, that's, and I wanted to get that off my chest and be very careful how I word it, because it's been bugging me for the past week and a half. And I'm like, this isn't right. And, you know, we had that news story. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but we had that news story uh, where Dave Filoni was, you know, appointed chief creative con- dire- consultant or whatever. So the fact that he's got a say in a lot of this stuff now, I, I, I really appreciate and I understand. But at the same time, it had me it just I'm like they saw something that we didn't, which is fine. But I need a little bit more to give me confidence that this was a good pick because of that clip, because it doesn't help. So go ahead. Yeah, I think um, I mean, you do have to put that level of trust in uh, Dave Filoni, like you were saying, like you need to keep in mind there is like no matter who's the director of the film, there is like there are people like overseeing like how this film fits into the bigger picture of things in the Star Wars universe. So that's a good thing to keep in mind. Um, I understand what you mean, that it's like really hard to go about this and like saying everything carefully and stuff because like like on the podcast we don't want to alienate anybody and with that being said like it it is hard to say to like hear somebody saying something that like a director saying something that could potentially alienate certain star wars fans because i mean when i was in uh sort of like middle school and high school i remember going to see the star wars prequels and as much crap as people give those movies um or started giving those movies a couple years after they came out i remember going to the theater and everybody being united and they were movies that brought people together and as hard as that might be to believe i'm telling you like opening weekend for those star wars prequels 
it was bringing fans together and it was always like a blast. It was kind of like, to me, it felt like the MCU before the MCU, you know what I mean? And, uh, related to, um, and I can't remember this, uh, director's name, but, uh, the quote where she says she enjoys making men feel uncomfortable. I think one thing that I've noticed is that apparently that clip isn't even like recent. Like this is a clip of her being interviewed about directing some other movie like 10 years ago or something. So you have no idea what's happened in her life since she said that. You don't know how she's approaching Star Wars. Like maybe she does have... um Maybe she has made very um, political movies in the past, but maybe she's approaching Star Wars in a completely different way. We don't really know that. Yeah. We just know that she said that 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you want to go through every director and find something dumb they said 10 years ago, it's probably pretty easy to do. So I think that's like it's I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of people jumping the gun, but I think it is also like there's a bit of uh sort of a cautious pessimism that um, might be healthy, might be unhealthy, depending on who you talk to. But my main hope is just I want, especially when it comes to Star Wars and comic book movies and the big, like, mainstream nerd culture stuff, I want that to be stuff that brings us all together. Like, I, I all this, like, divisive or divisive, like, political bickering and stuff can get really tedious after a while. And I just kind of miss, you know, some sometimes I think of like, you know, if you do go back 10 years, like f things felt a little bit more cohesive in the sort of like geek realm of things. And I, I really do miss that a lot of times nowadays. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's my yeah. uh, big non-opinion on it all, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, I it's it ultimately is going to come down to we'll see. And um, I hope that and and i'm being cautiously optimistic because it's star wars and i love it but um i'm i i still it a lot you know as much as you know you when you love something you love it for the good and the bad and what is really difficult with star wars is that some of the like the prequel i mean not the prequels the sequel trilogy uh, because of how divisive it was and how the internet reacted to it, I find it difficult to watch those films because I try to watch them and enjoy them for what they are and part of the franchise. And I keep in my the back of my mind, I keep hearing the internet screaming about the movies and it kind of ruins it a little bit. So I know that at some point I'm going to watch them. I know at some point I'm going to watch them and that's not going to bother me anymore. Um, it's just going to take some time. Um, I remember, uh, there was a point, uh, Lord of the Rings, not that Lord, look, the Lord of the Rings movies are great. I'm not knocking Lord of the Rings. Um, but I did get to a point where Lord of the Rings was so like kind of in my face that I kind of didn't watch him for a really long time. And, uh, the other day, um, I just needed something for background noise and I threw on Return of the King and I found myself watching more of it than just background noise. And I'm like, this movie's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. So I'm just I, I use that as an example because, like, I stepped away from it for a little bit and came back and it's still like absolutely wonderful. And I know that's probably going to happen with, you know, the sequel films. But because of the divisiveness of how the Internet reacted and everything and that, like, it almost puts a bad taste in your mouth when you try and care for it the way you want to 
Um, that's yeah. why Star Wars has been like a pullback for me a little bit in terms of my it's like, hey, this is a personal journey and everyone else's opinions don't matter because it's personal to me. So. Yeah, right on. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know exactly what you mean, and I've I've felt the same way with uh, uh, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. I unfortunately have that. Like, I love those movies, but there's some part of me every time I watch them in the back of my mind, I can just hear all the haters on the internet when those movies were released and how much I loved them, and I I just felt like so many people didn't want me to enjoy the movies because of how much criticism those movies got. So I, I definitely understand where you're coming from there. And uh, again, it's it's that sort of thing. Like, there's a lot of people who like movies that I don't like, but I'm not going to give them a hard time for it, you know. And this, yeah, you know, all this this nerdy stuff is awesome. And I just wish people were more together with it all, you know. Even if you like something that I don't like, I can still say, like, awesome for you. Glad you enjoy it, you know. And at least we all like a lot of other stuff that's really cool. So, yeah. all right, well, let's talk about other stuff that's really cool and talk about tonight's list, shall we? Yeah, let's go for it. Great. Um, we're going to roll the thing and we'll be right back. And now for the top five. All right, Peter, this was your pick. So why don't you explain it? And then we can talk about the difficulty. <laughs> sure thing. Um, so there's not really any like crazy story as, as to like why I picked this one. But uh, I thought it'd just be fun to talk about our top five favorite video game villains. Um, so that's what we're discussing this week. And um this is a list that we haven't done before, um, so I just thought it'd be kind of fun to do. We have done some other video game lists, like we've done our top five fighting game characters, we've done our top five video game characters um, in general, and uh, I actually noticed that I think my list actually uh, kind of uh, overlaps with those lists a little bit, but it's still always fun to talk about some of these characters we love and stuff like that. So um, you had a hard time with this one? <laughs> no, I just, I I thought about it, I when you brought this up, I was like, yeah, OK. And then I started like really looking into it and I was like, oh, how do I tackle this? What do I base my prowess on? Do I go with um, do I go with art design? Do I go with gameplay? Do I go with story? Video games have evolved heavily. Um, you know, you know, when we played, you know, go back to 1986 when we played Super Mario Brothers for the first time and. It's like you're running along, you're dodging the bad guys, going down pipes, grabbing mushrooms, fire flowers, that kind of thing. And then you have to fight Bowser at the end. But aside from you rescuing the princess, what's the plot of the story? What's Bowser's backstory? What's his, you know, that kind of stuff. But video games have evolved to the point where there's video games that are almost the stories are almost more compelling than television and movies right now. Uh, Last yeah. of Us is probably one of the perfect examples uh, the Metal Gear franchise is one of the coolest uh, military action um, uh, espionage spy thrillers that there are. Um, the Legend of Zelda games have like become like crazy sword and sorcery epics. So there's a lot to it. Um, and I kind of when you said video game villains, I kind of stayed away from art design and gameplay. I mean, I'll talk about the art design, too. And, you know, maybe some gameplay stuff, but I kind of focused more on story as I was putting this together. 
mm-hmm. um, and character development and stuff, just because of how things have changed in the course of video games being made. Okay. So that's just kind of how I tackled it. Yeah. Um, no, I th- I think I probably had more of a the opposite approach where I <laughs> a lot of my characters are based like a lot of it like character design. I think I'm just a visual person and character design does play into it a lot. But um, I think it's also there's an aspect of like Drew, you play a lot more video games than me, so you probably had a much bigger pool pull to uh, or pool to choose from. Where I was just kind of like. It was kind of like almost the top of my head, like, oh, yeah, I like this guy, this guy and this guy. All right, let's go. <laughs> so uh, but yeah, fun stuff. Um, I'm excited to go through all this. Um, I have uh, I have two. I was about to say three. I have two honorable mentions. I don't know uh, where you're at this with this. I one. also have two honorable mentions. Nice. Oh, I got to go first, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So my first one, these these two, I kind of there's not a lot to this. <sighs> The story is in depth if you go through and play the other games. However, this one was one um, because I fell in love with the series um, is the the villain is Mother Brain, uh, which is from uh, Metroid. Yeah. Um, Mother Brain is exactly what it sounds like is a big brain with an eyeball. Um, And it's the main villain of the game. And Metroid is basically uh, Samus lands on a planet and she's surrounded by aliens. and has got to survive and kill all the aliens and hunt them down and all that stuff. And then it becomes if you play the video games, if you play them, there's this big sweeping epic in this in this really cool sci fi way. Um, And Mother Brain is the, you know, overall (laughs) antagonist. Um, This is an honorable mention because. My first encounter with it was not the big sweeping. It was like I played Metroid on the Game Boy first. That was the first my first experience. But I got sucked in to that game. Like I was so invested in it. Um, so yeah, Mother Brain is just it's it's a, that's a longstanding one for me. That's I just do a quick honorable mention on that one. So this is a good call. Uh, definitely a really iconic villain. A really iconic look. Um, so so yeah, r- really cool stuff. Um, I always loved, uh, especially when you go back to the original Metroid game. Like you have this game that came out with eight bit eight bit graphics. Like everything was so primitive back then, and they delivered like this space sci fi epic that felt realistic and serious. And it's kind of a marvel that they were able to take such simple graphics and music and everything was so so simple as far as the elements they were able to use but they put together such such like a serious realistic feeling like action sci-fi game and it, it, it's just so cool how they pulled that off so uh yeah good call with this one yeah all right man um your first honorable mention yeah um i can actually go with uh the other side of the coin for um Another game series that even going back to the original Nintendo, going back to these those old 8-bit graphics, delivered very uh, realistic, serious-feeling games, even though the technology was so limited back then. And that game series is uh, Castlevania. And uh, I actually went with uh, Dracula from the Castlevania games. And uh, this sits as an honorable mention because I've played... A number of the Castlevania games, especially the older ones, but 
I was never really good at them. <laughs> They're super hard, but uh, I always loved the characters, the character design. I always loved that it was kind of the world of Castlevania is kind of like drawing from like the Universal Monster movies and uh, just like gothic horror in general and bringing it in and giving it that sort of like anime like flair to it and just making something that just feels really beautiful and unique, but it still has that sort of like strong gothic horror history and influence to it and uh i really went to with dracula and this again is an honorable mention but i've experienced him most in the uh netflix anime series for castlevania but i think he's a really cool character i love his powers um that they showcase in that series i love that they make dracula feel super super powerful and like he feels like such a uh tangible like just really hard force to defeat and i feel like a good villain is going to have those aspects to him so drew i actually feel like you're probably a bigger castlevania fan than me though so i don't know if you have any thoughts on this one but that was my I first heard. honorable mention there i'm a huge castlevania fan and i've played several of the games you're right they are stupid hard um but i've played <laughs> several of the games but i've gotten completely lost in them and gotten you know like they're and they're amazing i, I think they're fantastic yeah. the reason and dracula does not make a spot on any of my lists now the only reason dracula did not get pulled and i i toyed with this idea a lot is that i took my entire list including honorable mentions and i told myself they had to be um video game only it couldn't originate from some other source and where dracula happens to be the villain in castlevania he's not originally a video game villain um, and that's the only reason I left them out because you said video game villains. And I'm like, well, the Joker is a video game villain because of the Batman games, but technically he's not a video game villain. <laughs> yes. So, and that's oh, where I started, okay. that's, that's where I started peeling back the layers a little bit. I'm like, I'm going to stick and not that your pick's bad because Castlevania is a fantastic franchise. It's one of the long, it's one of the longer running franchises. Um, and I think, um, and I've always loved those games, but that was my thought process as to why I didn't choose it. Because I was literally on the fence. I'm like, I'm going to Dracula. And then I'm like, well, <laughs> is it? <laughs> no, I, th I think that's such a good call because like my pick is definitely specifically the Castlevania Dracula, but I definitely understand where you're coming from where it's like, no, but it's actually, that's actually based on like an older uh, story. And so uh, I didn't even think of it from that aspect, but uh, good call there. That's actually pretty funny. Yeah, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to knock your pick at all. It was just, no, it's all good. Just, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, that goes back to me, right? All right. So my next honorable mention goes back to probably one of the first villains I've ever encountered. And that is Bowser. Nice. Good. Call. You know, it's like one of that's like one of the that goes back to like one of the first video games you ever play in your life. Super Mario Brothers. It was a gateway for all of us. Um, you might not have seen Bowser at first, but that made you look up pictures and find books and read about it and all that stuff. And you learn about the story. You watch the Super Mario Brothers cartoon. It's like Bowser has always been around. Um, when I was a kid, the Bowser story was not flushed out the way it is now. Um and I don't think he's one of the greatest vi uh, video game villains out there, but he is probably one of the most iconic. So that's why I had to give yes. him a shout out. So. Iconic is definitely um, definitely the way to say it. Like when I think of video game villains, he is one of the first few names that I think of. Like we all grew up playing or at least 
anybody who's like any millennial grew up playing the old Nintendo and Super Nintendo Mario games. And it doesn't even matter if you didn't own one of those consoles. One of your friends did, and you played so many hours of Mario. And we all have known and loved Bowser for so long. And he's he's still there. Like, he's still such a big pop culture force. So I think uh, iconic is definitely the way to put it with that one. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, next honorable mention. Yeah, uh, my next one is another one that I haven't played the games a ton, but I do really love this character, and that is uh, Pyramid Head from Silent Hill. Um, I've mentioned this before, and I think Pyramid Head as, like, a, like, I think Pyramid Head to me is, like, peak character design. I think he has such a unique look to him. It's a character that you could see from a mile away and you'd know who it, who it is. Such a good silhouette. Every time I'm at a I'm at a convention and you see somebody cosplaying Pyramid Head, they look so badass, but it's also just like such a I think because he came from a video game, I think when you watch like the Silent Hill movie for example, it's just such a unique look. Like it's a character that fits in with like a horror aesthetic so well, but it's such a unique take on it that I really love. Like the giant pyramid that he has and like the huge like sword knife thing that he drags around. Like it's a really cool presence that that character is able to give off. And that's why I went with this one. Um, so yeah, yeah, good stuff. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one, Drew, but this one for me is almost purely aesthetic, but I still just love, uh, I love the presence of Pyramid Head so much, you know what I mean? Pyramid Head is the ultimate cosplay. <laughs> um, period. <laughs> period. Um, it's honestly, I've seen, I've seen a couple people do Pyramid Head as a cosplay and I've always been like... And then, like, so you have the one guy do his pyramid head, and then his, like, two female friends dress up as the nurses, yeah. the bloody nurses, and then they walk around Comic-Con, and you're just like, yes, you guys did it. Um, that's a cosplay I would love to do on legitimate Halloween, like, and, like, go trick-or-treating, like, let the kids run around and all that stuff, and you just dress up as pyramid head and just wander the neighborhood. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and then, like, you literally drag the, and, and like, just drag the like axe or whatever behind you would be so good um but the design for the character and i've only played one of the silent hill games because that those games are actually terrifying um but the uh the movie i would i really really enjoyed the movie i had a lot of fun watching that movie um but uh pyramid head is like i don't I don't think this to me, and that's just because I didn't dive deeper into it. But like, I I feel like he's just a character in the background so much as the story behind him, you know. And it's just because I probably don't know, you know. I, I can get that. Yeah, I I definitely didn't pick him because of like some crazy backstory that I was inspired by. But it's also like he makes an honorable mention because his presence is just, he is an iconic character. And uh, also it, it still just goes back to the design for me. Like, I think this is like such awesome character design. I had to mention it. So. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, man. Um, oh, so it's my first pick, isn't it? Yeah. That rolled, yeah, that yeah. rolls back to me. Okay. So my first actual pick of the night, I am going with GLaDOS from portal. Um, GLaDOS is the AI robot um, 
entity that is trying to kill you. First off, it starts out, if you've, ever, if you've never played Portal, you wake up in a room and the computer is talking to you. Like, time to get up, you gotta do your stuff, we gotta run through the tests, we gotta, you gotta help us with these tests, whatever. And you start going through these tests, and they're like, oh, here's a portal gun. Test this out for us, and run this puzzle, and we're testing your mobility, or we're testing the way you think on your feet, or we're testing whatever. Ultimately, what's happening is the computer, the AI, has become self-aware and is trying to kill you. And you don't realize <laughs> until about halfway through the game, and you're like, oh, the thing's trying to kill me. I now have to escape the computer. And then you actually have to fight GLaDOS in the end. But GLaDOS is the AI entity that's trying to kill you the entire time. And you don't know it right away. You're just kind of a long <laughs> ride and thinking you're going to get a piece of cake. But the cake it's is a lie. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but the cake is a lie. There is no cake. Um, but yeah, GLaDOS. A, a really, really cool design in terms of art, uh, in terms of the art and how it looks and graphics and everything. And then absolutely chilling when you think of the social commentary. But Portal is fantastic. And if you've never played Portal, in all seriousness, just for the story alone and the cool little brain teaser puzzles, put the game on easy. It'll take you five hours. It's mm -hmm. not it's not it's not a long set and it's a wonderful, wonderful game. Anyway. Yeah. And I kind of feel like um, I feel like you go back 10 years. <laughs> I feel like that's my theme for this podcast is 10 years ago. But I feel like if you go a few years back. Portal had a lot bigger presence when you go to uh, when you would go to like Comic Con and stuff, and I feel like not enough people talk about this game lately. So I don't know if it's due for a remaster or something, but it is one of those things. Like I feel like more people should be talking about Portal at the moment, and maybe sure. they are, and I'm just not in those circles. But uh, yeah, it's just something I kind of miss, like hearing like the uh, song from Portal played randomly places and uh, people talking about it and stuff like that. So yeah. Um, yeah, man, what's your first pick? Yeah, so my first one, I could get it out of the way. I was actually going to save this for later, but since you already mentioned it, I included Bowser on my list. And uh, really for all the reasons that I said before, like Bowser, I've known and loved since I was in grade school, going to friends' houses, playing Nintendo. Um, back then, I feel like everybody knew him as uh, King Koopa. And I think... Uh, Dennis Hopper and the Superman or the Super Mario Brothers movie from the 90s. I think he was just referred to as King Koopa in that movie. But then, you know, you go on and a couple of years later, you start hearing call or hearing people call him Bowser. And you're like, why are they calling him Bowser? But then you, you learn like that was his name all along and stuff like that. But this is a character who, again, like I feel like he's always been there through my life, but he's still such an iconic piece of pop culture to the point of like, one of the biggest movies this year he was the main villain for and uh he was played by jack black who's one of my favorite actors and uh no it's it's just awesome and uh the last thing i'll say is i love that bowser's a character who based on his original designs he looked very um he looked a little bit more monstrous i feel like in those 8-bit graphics like he looked a little more monstrous and reptilian and newer designs i feel like he looks uh, more cartoony in general, but I feel like he's a character who, like, in the original games, he was very, he was much smaller feeling, and in, like, newer games in the movie, or, and in the movie, he feels very large, he feels very just big, and I feel, I like that the character can work at different sizes and different, um, different, uh, 
I guess just that he can work in so many different ways. If you want him to look very mean and serious, it works, but also he can, he can look very cartoony. He can look very pathetic and funny and it's a very uh, versatile character design. And that's another thing I love about this character. But uh, Drew, you kind of already said your thoughts, unless you had any other final thoughts on Bowser, but that's my first pick for tonight. (laughs) Um, Not at all. (laughs) Good, good stuff. Yeah. Not, not, not to add. So, um, awesome. All right. So my next one is from the game from the game series Metal Gear. Um, the villain there's Metal Gear has a ton of wonderful villains. Um, and I say that because it's a spy thriller. So think Mission Impossible meets James Bond meets legitimate military tactical stuff. Right. But when they color when they, to make it ridiculously colorful, there are tons of really cool um villains and there's a terrorist organization um uh foxhound the foxhound terrorists or whatever uh it's the military organization that has like all these great villains like you have sniper wolf and you have the cyborg ninja and you have psycho mantis and like and almost like in a superhero sense and do they have abilities well psycho mantis does because it's psychic warfare but then you have sniper wolf who is just she's one of the greatest snipers ever and like when you get to like her when you actually get to the battle where you have to like out you have to battle sniper wolf and then at the end the story that comes out of it is just absolutely wonderful the backstory and stuff is incredibly emotional and like draws you in the way the games are told really draw you in um the character i'm referring to is revolver ocelot nice Uh, he is uh, he is a gunslinger themed member of the Foxhound terrorist group. Um, he's also uh, the head interrogation expert. Um, and he there's a point in the game Metal Gear Solid where he gets his hand cut off by the cyborg ninja guy. And then later he comes back um, and like he's doing a torture snake during the interrogation sequence in the game and all this stuff. Um, Revolver Ocelot kind of appears throughout several times throughout the Metal Gear, uh, storyline, but he's, um, he, when I say gunslinger, he looks like a gunslinger. It's like modern day cowboy stuff with that gunslinger mentality. Um, but he's one of the coolest villains in terms of like that cold brazen, um, uh, almost like a bounty hunter kind of thing, but also like, uh, like fastest gun in the West, but like, yeah, if you were to challenge him, you're going to, you're going to lose this fight kind of situation. (laughs) Um, uh, calculating in the sense that like when you watch, when you see like a member in the game, like sniper wolf, you're like, okay, she's the sniper. She's methodical. Um, here's the chink in the armor kind of thing. When you look at, uh, Raven, um, he's kind of like the big brute Hulk type character. When you look at the cyborg ninja, he's the, he's a ninja, but he's a cyborg. So it's going to be a fast robot fight scene, cool martial arts stuff. Revolver Ocelot, it's a gunfight because of the gunslinger attitude, but he's also like the one who seems to be calculating stuff behind, like in the mind, like there's more to this guy that is not being said and yeah. you see it behind his eyes kind of thing. And it's like that cold calculating. I don't know. I always, I always thought the character was cool. One of the coolest video game villains, one of the coolest like couple moments in that game where like one, you have to fight him, but then later you get the interrogation sequence. He's like this reoccurring villain throughout the story and it's really great. So 
Yeah. Good call. Um, it's really hard to know what to add to this one, um, <laughs> but I'm I'm glad you went with uh, Metal Gear Solid because I actually almost put uh, Gray Fox on my list, who's that uh, cyborg ninja guy you keep talking about. Um, but Revolver Ocelot, I remember playing the playing Metal Gear Solid, and I remember thinking that he was such a unique boss fight because I feel like it's not that often that you are fighting a sharpshooter like that. And it was a very unique boss fight. But I also, and like, it's been a while since I've played this, but to my memory, I feel like he had some really good voice acting in there. Like, I kind of want to go back, like YouTube the fight scene or some of his cutscenes because I think his voice acting was actually like pretty epic feeling in that sort of like modern day cowboy sort of way you were going off of. So uh, yeah, good call with this one. Yeah. Um... Yeah, man. What else do you got? Okay. Um, I will go with uh, my one cheat. <laughs> and this is my one cheat because this is a character who is not originally from a video game. Um, but the reason... I don't know I if that, picked... that wasn't necessarily one of your rules. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's just the way I tackled the list. Don't. <laughs> but to be honest, I did try to think of my list in the same way. Um, but... The reason I went with this one is the first time I experienced the character, it was in a video game. And it was a total surprise. And that is the character on Onslaught from Marvel vs. Capcom. And uh, Onslaught is like the... He's, a, he's an X-Men character. And he's a character who's kind of like the darkest... He's like a physical manifestation of the darkest parts of like Professor Xavier and uh, 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 Magneto's like mind he's like the darkest parts of their mind like made into a physical manifestation and there's you know this there's kind of like a convoluted origin about like professor x fighting magneto in a telepathic state and how this character was created but he basically looks like this big bulked up badass like kind of like almost like monster version of magneto and I remember playing the original Marvel vs. Capcom on uh, PlayStation 1. I remember playing it a ton. I had a couple of favorite characters. Like, uh, I think Hulk was one of my absolute favorite characters on, the, on that game. Like, he was a little slower, but his moves, I had a really easy time mastering his moves. And I had so much fun playing that game. And I remember playing it, like, single player, like, going through every single character you have to fight down the line. Like, all the Marvel characters, all the Cap capcom characters and the one day that i finally got or i finally beat that last character and then all of a sudden it was now you get to fight onslaught and i'm like who the heck is onslaught you know like <laughs> what is this and you see like the loading screen or something had an image of this like demented looking like bulked up magneto character with like you know the helmet's dark and all you can see is glowing eyes and it just looked so badass and then the fight scene ensues from there. And it was just such a badass experience. And uh, I literally thought that was a character made up by Capcom. I did not know that this was a character from the Marvel comics. I thought Capcom de designed this character based on Magneto. And he was just a cool fighting game uh, villain that they threw into Marvel versus Capcom. And it actually was a couple years later. Um, I was in high school walking the hallways and i heard uh two kids uh in my grade who were like arguing over like superhero stuff 
And uh, one of them was like, well, you know, so-and-so, it was an X-Men character. I can't remember who they said. They're like, well, so-and-so was one of the few ones to survive Onslaught. And then the other guy was like arguing against him. And I was like thinking, holy crap, Onslaught's in the comics too. (laughs) So then I had to kind of dig into like that history and stuff. But being exposed to this character and it being such a complete surprise in uh, MVC was just such a cool moment that i had to go with this one even though it's not originally a video game character so uh there you go all right um i understand why you're saying it's not a video game character but i also understand the uh aspect of marvel versus capcom it's marvel game characters versus these capcom characters so yeah yeah. i understand the cheat and no argument there um I was never a fan of the Marvel vs. Capcom games because I found them difficult to understand what was happening. Um, right, right. I know that's an art design and all that stuff, but I'm like, what? I just pushed that button, but I'm not entirely sure what I did. Like, but that's just me. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fighting game guy. So, but I hear you. All right. Um, my next one. So this one was tough because there's some really cool villains from the Halo series, and I. Um, I'm a big fan of that franchise. I uh, have been since the original Halo. Now, I chose the Flood as uh, the my villain pick for this franchise. Are they the overall villain? I actually think that the Forerunners who created the Flood might actually be the real villains here. Um, but the Flood is a parasitic organism that ultimately, the Flood is really, it's a parasitic organism that kind of, eats and consumes and creates at the same time it's almost like space zombies is the best way of wording it if you've never played halo or don't know what i'm talking about but the flood is almost like a space zombie but that was like this um amazing uh twist in the game where you think you're fighting aliens you're on this ring world you're trying to explore it and stuff and like the alien army's trying to kill you you're trying to survive and get off And then you find out that the ring is inhabited by this like parasitic organism that just is like going to take over. And if it gets off the ring, it's going to become a real problem for um, uh, the universe. The cool part is it was a twist in terms of if you if if, if it was your first time playing, you literally are like, what is this villain here? You know, like this is a whole new thing. It completely changed the direction of the story. It completely changed the direction of the game. Um, It was awesome. Um, but it was also terrifying when you had to fight it because it was like relentless nonstop. It's like you played a first person shooter, you're it's all military tactical stuff, and then suddenly it is get a gun that has ammo so you can shoot it because there's too many villains on screen at one time. Um everything's nice. trying to kill you. Um I love the flood. It's just it's really great. It was a surprise. Um I really hope that they bring it back to the Halo franchise. because uh, you know, in, in Halo 3, you defeat the Flood, quote-unquote, and then it's like, come on, bring it back, because it, it made the game, it almost added this horror element to the franchise, so. Right on. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Yeah, good call with this one. Um, the Flood is, like, a great, great villain to go with, and uh, uh, or set of villains, however you want to phrase it, but... Um, yeah, I, I didn't even think of this one, so this is a good call. You're kind of making me making me wonder, does the Flood come into the live-action Halo TV series at all? So, from what I'm understanding is the 
live action Halo TV series, the first season. Now, I have not watched the first season in its entirety because there's so much stuff that irritated me that it was like, I can't keep going with this because you guys have completely screwed up this thing. But from what I was reading is that the first season gets you up to a point. The second season is either setting up for the fall of reach or will be the fall of reach, which means we're going to be getting to. Um, so after the fall of reach, you'd be landing on the ring for the first time and okay. seeing the flood. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, that's a long way to go. Like <laughs> to get there. So, <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking is like, that might make it worth it to, uh, get caught up but like you said that is a long way to go so uh we'll we'll see we'll see <laughs> see if either of us decides to take that venture but uh but really good call um i guess i could move into my next pick unless you yeah. had anything further on no, that um so you went with a really cool pick with like a lot of uh cool concepts and uh storyline behind it and uh my next pick isn't really that at all because <laughs> i actually went with uh donkey kong um which you got to remember like in the first donkey kong game he was the villain of that game and uh this is one of those things like i just love classic arcade games um i know this isn't a character who has like a ton of uh i mean i think in later games and stuff i'm sure he has so much lore but for me he he's not a character who has a ton of uh, lore behind it i just think he's like a cool character i love the original donkey kong i think it's cool to have one of those classic games where the name of the game is actually named after the villain which was pretty great but um also like growing up i always loved playing like the donkey kong country games and stuff like that and um especially like diddy kong i remember as a kid i, I loved diddy kong so some of the other adjacent characters in donkey kong's universe um i thought were pretty awesome as well and uh this is another pick that like bowser like i feel like i haven't even tried to keep having donkey kong in my life but i feel like every couple of years something happens where you know i i either get like the super uh, nintendo classic and i'm going back and playing the donkey kong country games and then like you know or like a new mario kart game comes out so donkey kong's back in my life again and then most recently there's the mario movie where uh donkey kong plays a big part in that movie too um which is funny because this list is about villains and i feel like donkey kong was really just a villain in the first game so this one could be seen as a little bit of a cheat but i think it definitely still counts and uh, i like how in the first um or sorry in the mario movie they do play up that sort of uh donkey kong Mar uh, mario sort of like rivalry you know that sort of like villainous relationship between the two of them so this one i don't have a ton to say but that's just the that's just the one i went with so sure um donkey kong um that's that's that classic villain that's always been there um one of you know i i can get through like the first maybe four boards on um or four levels on the original arcade game but where donkey kong really got me was on the <laughs> game boy they released a mario versus donkey kong that's what the that's what the game was titled. okay and it was a, it started out in like the city and Donkey Kong grabs Princess Peach and runs off and he's not even on the screen. And it's every level was a puzzle. There was a key somewhere on the level. You had to get the key to the door to open the door 
and then you can go to the next level. And every four levels, you'd have to fight Donkey Kong. And if you defeat him, he grabs the princess and runs to the next world. So you do like X amount of levels, you fight Donkey Kong, he runs to world two. And then you do X amount of levels, you fight Donkey Kong, he runs to world three. So it's like, it's your standard levels, but it's not a level where, um, you know, your standard Mario level, it's side-scrolling, you go from one end to the other end of the screen, and you hit the flag, or you jump on the pole, or you hit the box, and you're done. This is, everything's in front of you, there's the key, I gotta go get it, and get the key to the door, and all the obstacles and stuff in the way. And then once you get the key to the door, it unlocks, and you go to the next one. Um, I got so addicted to that. Like I fell into that like hardcore. Like that's that's one that I'd stay up late and play when I should have been sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and there's a new one coming to the N- N- Nintendo Switch shortly, um, which nice. I really look forward to. It at some point this year, it's releasing for the Nintendo Switch, and I'm like, I'm probably gonna have to get that one. So, yeah, awesome. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I love Donkey Kong. All right, so my next pick, my second to last pick of the night is. Ganon from Legend of Zelda. Um, nice. I have been a Legend of Zelda fan since, well, the beginning. And Ganon is probably one of the, it's he's one of the first villains for me in terms of uh, childhood gaming and all that stuff. I got so invested into Legend of Zelda, the idea, the story, all the quests. Um, just like, one, you're rescuing the princess Zelda, but also like you're going on the big quest. You got your sword, you're running around, you're fighting the bad guys. Ganon's the ultimate bad guy. As the games have developed, Ganon's story has incredibly become in-depth, incredibly intertwined into the story where, like, when you think about storytelling that they couldn't do when Zelda first came out to where it is now and the level of storytelling, um, it's uh, it's like they, they were always able to give you, like, backstories before Zelda started, but now they can give you a backstory and then they can, like, flush things out and you can get cool cutscenes and stuff. But yeah, Ganon's become like one of those like big iconic villains, just like Bowser in terms of his iconography. Yeah. But in terms of like the art design and how he's changed and evolved has just been fascinating. Um, and he's one of the original for me. Like that's like one of my first forays into video games. So. Yeah. So yeah. Ganon. Yeah, definitely. I like I like that this is one like Bowser that's uh, stuck around for so long and through the years is still like a really iconic uh, piece of pop culture. And I think it just really goes to show you like Nintendo has some of the most iconic video game characters ever. And it really comes down to their like really smart, but simple design choices in some cases, but also just like Nintendo has such is like kind of like they they master creating like really infectious gameplay and i think that's also helped these characters stay with us for so long but uh yeah this is a good call and definitely a really epic villain to go with so yeah all right man what's your second to last one of the night yeah so my next one um i actually went with uh reptile from uh the mortal Kombat series and uh this is a character who like pretty much for the most part is uh always villainous especially like aligning with like Shang Tsung and stuff like that, but I I understand that sometimes he takes more of a neutral stance. But Reptile is a character that I I love the concept of the character. I love that you have this reptilian monster, but he's also a ninja, and he has that ninja facade to him. And underneath the mask, he has that you know disgusting reptilian face and. Uh, I I really I don't know if it goes back to the Ninja Turtles for me or what it is, but I'm always 
drawn to those sort of reptilian characters like i think reptile's really cool i love his uh different moves that he has like whether he's shooting acid whether he's like ripping people's heads off with his tongue which i know is one of his original fatalities um or you know any of the other like just like uh lizard like abilities that he has i think is really fascinating but out of the uh we all know the ninjas are the coolest characters in mortal kombat <laughs> and out of those i always loved uh reptile the most and i think it really goes back to like my love of like monsters and uh creature features and stuff like that i feel like reptile has that cool monstrous uh appearance that i love a lot so this is another one i don't have a ton to say but this is definitely high up on the list for me uh drew i don't know if you have any thoughts on reptile though <laughs> again let's say that all the ninjas on mortal Kombat are the coolest characters <laughs> Um, sure. <laughs> reptile so i got really into the lore behind mortal Kombat, like really into it i remember there yeah, was yeah. Like, there was like a strategy guide that came out for the original mortal Kombat, where um i ended up picking up because yeah they had all the moves and stuff in there but like you'd look up like scorpion for example and there'd be like four pages on his backstory <laughs> like there was like yeah heavy lore and then you're like, and here's like a page and a half of the moves you can do, but here's all the story bits. And it was actually a pretty thick, uh, like little like player guide, but it had all the story stuff. It was amazing. Um, so that's where I got to know a lot of the characters. And what I loved about Reptile was he was the character that was kind of like a mystery for that first game. And then he yeah. kind of got flushed out later. So it was a lot of like, Ooh, what's this ninja that I don't know anything about him. And, um, yeah, so Reptile, um, I always liked Scorpion was always my favorite of the ninjas, but Reptile was really cool because of the mystery behind him. And I'm totally with you on that uh, until they started flushing it out. And then you're like, OK, I'm with you. Cool. And then I was back to Scorpion. But <laughs> yeah. And, and so. that's that's the thing is like there's a debate. Like, do you like Reptile when he's presented more as like a, uh, you know, this giant lizard monster? Or do you like him when he looks more like a ninja? And I think I do like him when he's more presented like a humanoid ninja you know with just like that monstrous face behind the mask and i think it is because of that sort of uh mystery and there's like a certain sleekness to it that i really like as well like he's still he's a monster but he still looks like a ninja so i think that's pretty neat so yeah yeah all right moving on to my final pick of the night and i am a huge fan of the final fantasy video game series um i've played several of them not all of them but i've played several one of the probably if not the most popular final fantasy game is final fantasy 7 um is it my favorite it definitely ranks up there i don't think it's my favorite but it definitely ranks up in at least my top three mm -hmm. um the villain i'm referring to if you didn't already know is sephiroth um, <laughs> who i think is probably one of the greatest video it the greatest, if not the greatest <laughs> video game villain of all time. Um, he, this is, um, there's a group of individuals in the franchise called soldier who were genetic alterations to be soldiers for the Shinra corporation. And Sephiroth is a former soldier of the mega corporation Shinra who learned about the horrible experiments in which created him and he's pissed off and 
<laughs> um, he is going to do everything he can to take Shinra down. And it comes down to, and he's not the only one trying to take Shinra down. The problem is, is that he's doing it in such a way that he becomes a problem for everybody. And he becomes ultimately the bad guy, if you, if you know what I mean. Um, and, uh, his rivalry cloud clouds, the main character that you play as, but cloud and Sephiroth have their rivalry. Um, Sephiroth has not only appeared in just not only the final fantasy games, but he's one of the most, he's probably the most powerful character in super smash brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also appeared in the kingdom hearts franchise and he's probably, and he's like it, the fight scene with him in kingdom hearts is like ungodly like one swipe with a sword and you're literally that's half your life so it's like two hits and you're done like <laughs> so you got to be really a top form to beat him um but sephiroth like art design uh character creation the backstory how engrossing they made it um really just absolutely amazing and probably one of my absolute favorites um i don't know what you think about sephiroth or the final fantasy series but yeah no, I, I think this is an awesome pick. I think uh, Sephiroth is a really cool character. I just uh, I haven't played the Final Fantasy games enough to like call myself a huge fan, but I do think it's this is an iconic character. Um, I've loved uh, experiencing uh, the bits that he's in in Kingdom Hearts as well as like yeah Smash Brothers. He's such a cool character in those games. But uh, what I love about Final Fantasy VII is. Um, Besides that, I would argue that it is the most iconic game of the series, but I love that Final Fantasy VII, when it came out, it was this, like, low-poly, it had, like, this these low-poly graphics, and it was an epic game, but it came out on PlayStation 1, so the graphics were pretty cartoony, you know? But if you look at the reboot, and if you look at stuff like uh, the Advent Children movie, you can see that you know, now that they have like the better graphics for it, they're presenting these characters pretty realistically. Like everything is rendered super realistically, super detailed, but there's still that bit of uh, exaggeration to everything. And I think it works so well for the characters. Like if you look at Sephiroth himself, he's like a one winged angel. That's what he looks like. He has one angel wing and you think to yourself, could somebody even fly like that? But it kind of doesn't matter because it's this big, exaggerated fairy tale of a story. And so even though it's represented realistically, it still has those exaggerations that work so well, you know, as well as like he's got like a katana that's like 10 feet long. And it's like, that's not that's not really realistic. But we've talked in the past how like you look at uh, anime and video games where they have big swords and it's just be, it just turns it into a fairy, t- fairy tale. It's a romanticization, a romantic a romanticization of the idea of a someone being able to hold a sword that big and fly with one wing. And I think Final Fantasy is the series to point to that pulls off these concepts so well so i think this is a great pick and uh, a great character and stuff and another one like this is another one where i feel like it's peak character design you know sephiroth is so cool so. and i've been and i've been working my way through final fantasy 7 remake on playstation 4 because final fantasy 7 rebirth which is the second half of the story that's how they got you so we're doing final fantasy 7 remake it's going to be on playstation 4 but it's only half the story <laughs> it's, only, it's literally only half the game. So PlayStation 5 comes out, and they're like, here's the other half. It's exclusive to this system. So uh, I'm working my way through that so I can go then play Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Anyway, 
because they got me. Anyway, uh, what's your final pick of the night? Yeah, so I didn't necessarily necessarily plan it this way, but uh, I almost feel like Sephiroth should have been the final pick because that's a really epic character to go out on. And uh, I feel like my character that I went with is pretty goofy, but uh, that's okay because this is a character that I love and he brings a smile to my face. But I actually went with Wario. Uh, from the Mario games and uh, Wario is a character who I know I feel like this is a goofy pick but he's always been one of my favorite villains in all of video games and uh, for me Drew it actually goes back to I remember you had uh, Wario Land which I think was technically Super Mario 3 on the Game Boy you had that game and I or go ahead go ahead (laughs) no I was just gonna say I I was gonna say it's Super Mario Bros. 3 Wario Land I think that's what it was yeah and go ahead, because I was just about to bring up that game. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you, you had that game, and I remember playing that a lot as a kid, like borrowing your, borrowing that game while you were playing another one, and uh, just playing through all the levels and having a blast. And uh, I think that's really what instilled my love of Wario. And uh, I think it wasn't it wasn't until later when um, I remember playing. Um, you know, later versions of Mario Kart. And for some reason, you know, especially like Mario Kart Wii, when that came out and I was like in my 20s and playing it at like college parties and stuff, I always went with with Wario. I would always pick that character. And for whatever reason, I always loved Wario. Like, I think he's a really cool character. I love his silhouette. I love his uh, color scheme. Um, But also like playing him in Mario Kart, I think the thing about Wario in Mario Kart is he's really fast, but he has very low acceleration. So if you screw up a lot, you're not going to go that fast. And I think playing so much as Wario actually made me better than Mario at Mario Kart than I would have been because I was just like, well, I'm going to play with War play as Wario because he's my favorite, but I'm going to have to make sure I don't screw up because otherwise I'm going to lose this race. You know what I mean? But uh, no, he's just a great character. And this is another one that like when you see somebody cosplaying as Wario or even if I see him on a sticker or a poster or something, he always brings a smile, smile to my face. So this might be a weird pick, but this was really one of the first names I thought of. So, uh, yeah, there you go. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one, Drew. Well, I was my thoughts on Wario. Like, I really wish. I almost feel like, and I don't know, maybe I didn't play the game, but it's like Bowser's always tends to be the main villain of the Mario games. I would yeah. love to see the Mario game where Wario is the villain or Waluigi is the villain or the two of them against Mario. And like that, I what video game that I miss where that's the thing, um, because he's like the opposite Mario. You know what I mean? Um, but no, the Wario Land game. Super Mario Bros. 3, Wario Land for the Game Boy, I got uh, addicted to. That is a really, really good um, game. Like, it's yeah. fantastic. Um, and there was, it's, if you're looking for a good Mario game to play, that one's amazing if you can get your hands on it. Um, I believe that's what it was, Super Mario Bros. 3, Wario Land. Because um, mm-hmm. there's, there's other Wario Land games, but they're just not the same. So if you, <laughs> if, if you get a chance, if there's a way to play it, by all means, please do. But yeah, Wario is a great call, man. So good pick for the final pick of the night. Um, but um, would you like to, we went a lot longer on this than I thought we were going to, but do you want to yeah. know what we're going to discuss <laughs> next week? Yeah, what do you got? All right. 
So I've been thinking about this for a while, and I've been trying to think of the best time to bring this up. We haven't done a person in a while. Sometimes on this show, if you haven't listened, if this is your first time listening to us, we always do a top five list. But sometimes we need to look at someone's body at work and discuss. And I've been trying to think to myself, when's the best time to bring this one up? And the only reason I wanted to discuss it is because it's been a bit of a controversy over the years, over the past few recent years. But I think it's time to discuss it because of how divisive it is. But I think, and I know we're going to match a lot on this list, but I think it's really good because we can sit and really deep dive because there's so many times this stuff comes up and we go, well, that's a whole nother show. So next week, we're going to talk about our favorite Zack Snyder films. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it's time to discuss it. Um, Like I said, we're going to match a bunch, but it'll be great to say, hey, we matched. (laughs) Let's talk about this. Um, Wow, okay. (laughs) Um. So, yeah, I think it'll be cool and um, maybe we'll turn some people around. But because of the Snyder Cut, it's become a bit of a controversy. But I don't think that's right. You know, so part of me is trying to remember how many films he has. But uh, well, there's a lot of franchise ones in there because you have your Batmans and you have your Batman movies, you have your Justice League, you have the Superman film. But then you got like uh, Sucker Punch. You got Rebel Moon. Um, you know what I mean? There's, there are movies out there. So it, like I said, we're going to match a lot, but it'll be great to talk about it because sometimes we get on a tangent and it's like, well, that's a whole show by itself. So let's yeah. make it a whole show and talk about our favorite Zack Snyder movies. <laughs> this is a good one because it's so topical with uh rebel moon just coming out. So, uh, yeah. And I, and I, and I would have loved to have rebel moon release and it'd be my pick because then I was going to, because I was holding on to this for a long time. And I would have been able to say, yeah, and <laughs> next week we're going to do the following. <laughs> it's hard to have a movie on your list while, you know, the the same week you review the movie <laughs> for the I, first time. So I guess it's good that there's a little bit of a time time difference there. But yeah. So, yeah. So that's what we're going to do next week. Um, so, yeah, please tune in and we'll talk about that. And if you don't like Zack Snyder, tune in anyway. Maybe we'll turn you around. <laughs> right. Right. Um, Anyway, uh, do you have anything else before we close this episode and toss it in the can? No, I think I think I, that's it for me. <laughs> All right, everyone, check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to our webs- our social media, along with our link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there, social media, either way works. Um, uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Amazon, Audible. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I'll be reminding you to always take your bike pump when you go spelunking. (laughs) All right. Uh, (laughs) Words of advice, everybody. Um, For the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.